Tonight we want to look at understanding the dreams in the book of Daniel. Understanding the dreams in the book of Daniel. Verse 31, please. Daniel 2, verse 31. Thou, O king, sawest, and behold, a great image. This great image, whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. The image's head was of fine gold, his breast and arms of silver, his belly and thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet part of iron and part of clay. Thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay, and break them to pieces. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken to pieces together, and became the chaff of the summer threshing floors, and the wind carried them away, that no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain, and filled the whole earth. Keep your Bible open there. We're going to refer to it immediately. Let us pray. Father, thank you for so many brought out tonight who have come here under this roof to hear your word and to fellowship one with another, but especially to be in your presence to respect you and worship you. Thank you for every family represented and Lord, we pray, Lord, that you would bless and encourage each person. We pray, Lord, as this message we go forth, you would instruct us and teach us. Lord, that you would help us with understanding and wisdom and knowledge from you. Father, we pray if there is one here or some here who have not yet made their calling and election sure and have never come to saving faith in Christ, we pray this evening would be an evening where you would show them your great plan of the ages. And, O God, that they would see that in that plan is the cross where your son bled and died for them, that they might be saved before the coming of your son. We pray that you'd glorify his name and use this man of clay lips this evening, that I might speak well of him. Lord, direct us, we pray tonight. May thy spirit move in us this evening the glory of his name alone, the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Nebuchadnezzar is the king in Babylon. And the king in Babylon comes to the little southern kingdom of Judah. The northern kingdom are carried away captive some almost 100 years or maybe more at this time. And hence, Babylon comes under Nebuchadnezzar. And when they move in, they start taking an encroachments in and moving away people over eastward from the Holy Land, that is, from Jerusalem toward Babylon. They move them there, and Jeremiah sees them as two baskets of figs. There are good figs, and there are bad figs. Good Judaites and bad Judaites, or they become known as good Jews or bad Jews. Those who would obey God's word and go into captivity, trusting God would bring them out after 70 years 
And there were those who did not go, but rather decided they would do everything and fight against it. Where'd that come from? Where'd that come from? So I never even knew it was there. Marine Volvo. Hazard lights. So don't want it this to go don't want it the battery to run flat, is that it? Okay. Maroon Volvo. One will all wait and see whose it is. (laughs) (laughs) Bless you, Tim. He was waiting there to see, wasn't he? (laughs) Praise God. Nebuchadnezzar has taken away the likes of the good figs like uh, Daniel. Um, Jeremiah then goes. And we have then the three Hebrew children. We read about them in the fire. And all of these things are, are, are happening in Babylon. Ezekiel is in Babylon later as well as he writes his book. But in this Daniel chapter 2, Daniel is writing of Nebuchadnezzar, the king who comes to his own magicians, if you want, and soothsayers and said, I had a dream last night. And I want you to tell me my dream and Tell me the interpretation of it. Now, if he had said the dream, they could have made up an interpretation to try and help things. But they had to say what the dream was. That brings us into our reading this evening. For they send for Daniel, this Hebrew, this little Judaite, Israelite boy, uh, or young man, I should say, and he brings Nebuchadnezzar the dream and the interpretation of the dream. Now, this is going to be very important because this dream, believe it or not, although it's 2,500, 600 years ago, it really affects us this very day. It affects our world today. It affects our nation today. It affects everything today. So think about this. Daniel goes and he says, O king, thou sawest, behold, a great image. This image whose brightness was excellent and stood before thee, the form thereof was terrible. The image's head was of fine gold, his breasts and arms of silver, his belly and thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet part of iron, part of clay. You had this dream, Nebuchadnezzar. Then he says, I'm going to tell you what this dream means. Will you look at the chapter at verse 36? This is the dream, and we will tell the interpretation thereof before the king. Thou, O king, art a king of kings, for the God of heaven hath given thee kingdom, power, strength, and glory. And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field and the fowls of heaven, hath he given into thine hand, and hast made thee ruler over them all. Thou art this head of gold. I take note of that. He said to Nebuchadnezzar, here's your dream. You had a dream as a figure of a man whose image was head of gold, chest and arms of silver, valley of brass, his legs of iron and his feet part of iron and part of clay. And he says, Nebuchadnezzar, you're the head of gold. This is the Babylonian kingdom. Now I should have a wee PowerPoint here of an artist's impression of it. I'm doing this and don't even know how to use that. So, do you put that up for me? Yes, it's coming now. So he's saying, thou art this head of gold. And 
Nebuchadnezzar realizes that he must be something important then. Remember, this is his dream. Not Daniel's dream, but Nebuchadnezzar's dream. He says, thou art this head of gold. Can you put, make that bigger for me? So here we are. This is a, an artist's impression of the head of gold, the chest and arms of silver. And from the head of gold to the silver, to the bronze, to the iron, to the feet, part of iron and part of clay, they are different peoples who would take over the land, take over the nations through time, one after another, after another. And hence he says, Nebuchadnezzar, you're the head of gold. Now, when you go to Daniel chapter 2 then in verse 39, it says, And after thee shall arise a kingdom inferior to thee, another third kingdom of brass, which shall bear rule over all the earth. It doesn't mean the whole world as we would think, or the whole earth, but the whole known earth, as it were, to them at that time. And notice in verse 40, And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, for as much as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things, and as iron that breaketh all things, shall it break in pieces and bruise. And whereas thou sawest, notice thou sawest the feet, the toes, part of potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, but there shall be in it of the strength of the iron. Notice, so the iron is still continuing in right through this. Now, let me tell you, these are, and maybe you can see it or not, you have Babylon, the gold, Medo-Persian king is the silver of the arms and the chest, and then the midriff is the Grecian empire, that's under Alexander the Great. He then came and conquered. And then we have the legs of iron, which is the pagan Rome. In pagan Rome, you have the power of the Caesars, and of course our Lord Jesus was crucified under this uh, pagan Rome, under Pontius Pilate and so forth. And the, the toes part of iron and part of clay are mysterious. What does it mean? What does it mean? Well, notice here, first of all, when you go with me to Daniel chapter 7, Daniel chapter 7, now this time, this time, it's not Nebuchadnezzar who's dreaming, but it's Daniel who's dreaming. Verse 1, in the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and the visions of his head upon his bed. Then he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matters. Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of the heavens strove upon the great sea. Now, I want you to take note of this. The four great beasts came up from the sea. Notice they came from the sea. Now, this is important because these visions will extend into the book of Revelation of Jesus Christ, the last book of your Bible. Now, note this. They came up from the sea, one diverse or different one from another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. And I beheld till the wings were plucked up, the wings thereof were plucked. And it was lifted up from the earth and made to stand upon the feet as a man. And a man's heart was given to it. And behold, another beast, a second like unto a bear. And it raised up itself on one side and it had three ribs in the mouth of it between the teeth of it, and they said thus unto it, Arise and devour much flesh. 
After this I beheld, and lo, another like a leopard, which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl. The beast also had four heads, and dominion was given to it. And after this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible and strong exceedingly. And it had great iron teeth that devoured and break in pieces and stamped the residue with the feet of it. And it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. And I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and the mouth speaking great things. Notice here, Daniel is saying there were four beasts. One looks like a lion, one looks like a bear, one looks like a leopard. But the fourth beast, he says, I couldn't tell you or explain this to you. He cannot describe the last beast. He can't even begin to tell you what it looks like. It's just a terrible, vicious looking beast. Now, Daniel sees a lion. And Daniel sees a bear. And Daniel sees a leopard and a beast. And these are relative to this. The head of gold is the lion. That is the Babylonian kingdom. The arms of silver is the bear. And the bear is on lopsided. The two arms were the Medes and the Persians. That's the two arms of silver. One for the Medes. One for the Persians. They come in like a jewel-headed uh, enemy and they took over Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom under, uh, under Belshazzar. Daniel chapter 5. And hence then, one starts to have more prominence over the other. Darius the Mede uh, comes under more of authority of Cyrus the Persian and hence it's lopsided. It's amazing the way God shows all this before it even happened. The kingdom becomes lopsided. We're going to look at these things. And then the bronze is this leopard with four heads. What does this mean? Four wings, what does that mean? And of course, that is Alexander the Great's kingdom. And then we have the beast. And that beast is what Daniel says is indescribable. So brothers and sisters and friends, before I go any further with this, and I know it's a bit more teaching for you, I'm trying to break it down, and it's going to be as simple as I can for you this evening. How do I know, and how can we know for sure the lion that Daniel sees is the same as the head of gold which Nebuchadnezzar sees? Well, first of all, here's something for you. Nebuchadnezzar, in his dream, sees himself, he can't understand it, but he sees men and their kingdoms as glorious. He sees them as if they are something. But when God gives Daniel the visions and the dreams in the night, he sees them as beasts. God shows them, shows Daniel, this kingdom of Babylon, this kingdom of Medo-Persia, of Greece, and of pagan Rome, right to the feet. And we're going to look at pagan Rome, out of it became papal Rome through time and history. And God has shown them, this is how I see these systems. This is how I see these kingdoms. 
When man sees himself as wonderful, sure isn't that the same now today? Doesn't it tell us today that people think they're okay the way they are? We're not bad and don't tell me I'm sinful because I don't like the word sin. I don't like to be told that I'm wrong before God, that if I stand before God in judgment, I will be declared guilty as charged according to his word and that I would be judged so and cast into a lake of fire. See, man thinks he is something when really he's depraved in every way of his nature, unable to save himself. But when God shows us eyes that we see ourselves as sinners, when the Holy Ghost quickens us and shows us our need of Christ and that Christ is the only Savior, then things change. Then things take a different turn. We can then call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. I take note of these kingdoms just for a brief. I'm going to just pick out one or two things. I'm going to put them out there for time's sake. I have done this in a more concise manner over four weeks. And it's somewhere on YouTube. Not under this title, but somewhere on YouTube. For example, this little kingdom of Judah, before they were taken away, warned off Jeremiah that there's good figs and bad figs, as I've said. Listen to what he says in Jeremiah 4 and verse 7. Speaking to Judah now, listen to what he says. The lion has come up from his thicket. Now take note of this. The lion has come up from his thicket. And the destroyer of the Gentiles or the nations, that is, is on his way. Now Jeremiah says that before Nebuchadnezzar comes and takes away the house of Judah. I'll read it again. The lion has come up from his thicket. And the destroyer of the Gentiles is on his way. Listen to Ezekiel chapter 17 and verse 3. And this is part of what's known as Ezekiel's riddle. He speaks of a great eagle with great wings, long winged and full of feathers. And in verse 12 of Ezekiel 17 he says, Know ye not what these mean? Tell them, behold the king of Babylon It's come to Jerusalem and he hath taken the king thereof and the princes thereof and led them with him to Babylon. So here Jeremiah says he's like a lion coming. A lion is coming. And Ezekiel says this Babylonian kingdom and its swiftness will come with wings like the wings of an eagle. And hence when Daniel is in Babylon as a captive, he sees a lion with the wings. Something for you to note this evening. While Babylon was represented by a lion, so was the tribe of Judah. The house of Judah was represented. Its emblem was a lion. And it seems as if that which God has set in place in Jerusalem In Judah, the lion, which Christ is the lion of the tribe of Judah, it seems as if this great lion has been overcome by the old lion, the devil. Not so. Because God said to Jeremiah, go, this is my plan for this people because they had sinned before God. Because they had done wrong before God. The house of Israel, the northern kingdom, are already gone. They're not returning. But God's mercy still extended to the southern kingdom of Judah. Notice here, if you will, in 
Second Chronicles chapter 36 and verse 22. Listen to what it says. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, the king of Persia. This is from the silver kingdom. And verse 23, all the kingdoms of the earth hath the Lord God of heaven given me and he hath charged me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. And this is when Cyrus, the silver kingdom of the Medes and the Persians, Cyrus, when he's ruling, 70 years has passed and the house of Judah and the Jews are in there in Babylon and the Lord moves on a heathen heart to release the people to go back to build the temple in Jerusalem after 70 years. Brothers and sisters, does this not tell you by the carrying away until the coming back again, the moving on Cyrus's heart, the giving of the time scales of prophecy and telling what will happen before it happens, does it not give us hope this evening that our God is still in control? Does it not tell you that he is still on the throne? I want to tell you, God is sovereign over all things and over all peoples. Now this Babylonian system from the head of gold, the silver, the bronze, the iron, to the feet, all of it, the trait of it, as it were, is like, it's like you get a, a, rock, a stick of rock and you bite it and it says Blackpool on it or whatever it says, I don't know, uh, Welcome to Carrick Fergus. I don't know. You bite the rock and it says it right through it. Hence the trait, the system comes right through all these kingdoms, right through all of these times, right through to this present day. And hence, when we look at these animals, we're going to see something a little bit different here. But let us be aware, brothers and sisters, there are deceivers in our world, as there have been deceivers throughout time. For example, in 2 John chapter 1 and verse 7, John writes, For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. An antichrist. See the word deceiver? It's the word planos. Planos. Do you know what it means? A seducer. You ready? This is the term. When you get under the nitty gritty of this word, you ready? This is the term. It means a roving tramp. A roving tramp, a wandering vagabond. In other words, those who are wanting to be in the Antichrist system of Babylon, the Antichrist system and the Antichrist spirit that we see right through these kingdoms from the mysteries of Babylon, the head of gold, the lion on the other side, when we see them coming right down, the trait comes right through until this year of 2023. But it's a beast and we can't pick it out and we can't explain it. And it's hard to understand because it has so many systems and so many things that's feeding into it. It is tripart. It is ecclesiastical. It is financial and it is governmental. But yet it has all of these issues flowing through it. And hence this word planos, a seducer, a roving tramp, a a wandering vagabond. And, and, And here the scriptures are saying to us that this spirit is roving throughout our nation and throughout the lands. Let me just give you another example of this. In Matthew 27 
and in verse 63. The chief priests and the Pharisees of the Jews' religion said to Pilate about our Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen to what they said about the Savior. Sir, we remember that that deceiver said. Now you read that in your English and my English. We say they called him a deceiver as if Christ is deceiving. The real uh, connection with, with, with the text here, uh, they are saying this seducer, he's seducing people to follow him. Jesus, they're speaking of. This roving Trump. Sounds different now, doesn't it? This roving Trump, this wandering vagabond preaching the gospel of the kingdom everywhere. He says, this deceiver said while he was yet alive. In other words, so they even admit that Jesus died on the cross. People say he didn't die on the cross. They admit he died when he was yet alive. After three days said, I will rise again. So First Timothy 4 and verse 1. Listen to what he says. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Seducing spirits. The word seducing is the exact same word, planos, for deceiver. In other words, Paul is telling us in the latter times there are going to be many people who are seduced by this antichrist system spirit that's in the world. And they are going to be deceived by it. And this is, and listen, this is the words that Paul uses, the exact same words. They are like roving trumps going here and there, seducing God's church and God's people. They are vagabonds who wander with their doctrines of devils. In other words, they belong to Satan. Let me tell you, in a nutshell, the history of the church which was formed at the day of Pentecost. In Pentecost, it's formed. In papal times, it's deformed. In the Reformation, it was reformed. And now in modernity or this modern age, it's conformed. It becomes more like the world. But Paul says the church today needs to be transformed. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your minds, he says. And this is the beast of the last kingdom there. This is the beast that Daniel sees. He can't describe it. It doesn't look like a lion or it doesn't look like a bear. It doesn't look like a leopard. But it's just some sort of beastly animal. And hence he's saying, this will come upon the earth. Think about this. Over 2,000, maybe 2,600 Years ago, this was happening. So, brothers and sisters and friends, this evening, he says to Nebuchadnezzar, thou art this head of gold. He dare not say, you're a lion with eagle's wings because you don't see how God sees. We're in a nation today. We're among a people today. We're among a society today. We live and where you work and your families and mine and others. And we know people in a, in a social system today. Governments and, 
and all of the things that come with it, and we have the WEF and the United Nations and the European Union and all of these systems, they are all belonging to the beast. To the beast that's un, un, indescribable. Well, is, it, is this beast, is it religious? Yes, it is. It is an ecumenical beast headed up by the papacy in Rome. The Abrahamic family, they call it, of Islam and all branches of so-called Christianity with Judaism and all other things mixed together. And they say, let's come. And they now have a center over in the Middle East to do this. This beast is now taking form and now it is laying hold on many people. Notice this. Go with me to Daniel 5, please, before we come back here. Daniel 5. Let me tell you what's happened quickly. Daniel 2. Nebuchadnezzar sees the dream. Thou art the head of gold. Uh, Daniel chapter 3. Nebuchadnezzar decides, well, if I'm the head of gold and I'm important, I'm going to make a big golden image and they can all fall down and worship me. And hence he makes a big image. It's uh, basically it's 6, 6 and 6. Six cubits and uh, six this way. Sixty cubits, pardon me, six and six that way. And he says, when you hear the music, all of the fall down and worship me. It's called the law of the Medes, or the law of the Medes and the Persians comes after the law of Babylon and the mystery religions. You have to fall down and worship me. And brothers and sisters, that trait is still today when they're telling you and I in the church, you will do as we say. You will preach as we preach. You will witness as we, we tell you to witness. And you're not allowed to do any different. And when the government shouted a couple of years ago or last year and the year a couple of years before that, you know, how to jump the church said, hi, hi. Hi, hi. But Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego would not bow down to what they were saying because it was against the law of God. Stop worshiping your God and you have to worship other gods. What are you going to do when they say you have to stop worshiping Christ? What are you going to do when they say you're not allowed to read your Bible? What are you going to do when they, when they ban, when they ban and put out of the country all resemblance and remembrance of what God's blood-washed church is? What will we do in the West? We're so comfortable. Will we fall down and worship? Because you believe me, it's not over yet. There's a new meeting happening in Davos. You know what they've said? They've already said that they're going to plan for whenever they bring out the next vaccines. And for the next lockdowns. They've already got it planned. And what will we do? Just bow down. Or will we be like Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. What if they throw us in a fiery furnace? Will we say, oh no, I recant, I recant? Or will we say, our God, He's able to deliver us? So you bring us to the fiery furnace, but if He doesn't, we we'll still belong to Him. Jesus says, fear not them which can kill the body. But fear him which can destroy both body and soul in hell. Brothers and sisters, 
This trait comes right down to these feet and God willing will show you more about it. So in Daniel 3, the, 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 they're to worship the image at the sound of the music and dance to our tune, in other words. You go into Daniel 4, and Nebuchadnezzar, he thinks he's wonderful. Look at all that I have done. Look what I have accomplished. Look what I have finished. Look at my great kingdom. And the Lord says, right, I've had enough of you, son. Come on. Puts him into the field, and he's, his hair grows, and he's, he goes mad. And his hair grows like it is feathers, and he's eating grass like a cow for seven years. For seven years. And then God releases him from it and he realized it was God who'd give him the kingdom. I want to say something, brothers and sisters, and I don't mean this to be in any harm, but I can tell you whether it was a heathen kingdom or an Israelite kingdom, whether it was the house of Israel or the house of Judah, whether it's that heathen kingdom and Babylonian system, or whether it is our own kingdom, the United Kingdom, it doesn't matter. Do you see when the cup is full, Do you see whenever they keep on doing what they're doing? Do you see when they keep on sinning the way they're sinning and they're hearing the gospel and they're pushing it aside? God speaks about, he's like a swimmer who pushes things to the side. There's going to come a time when God says, right, get out of my road. Pushes as a swimmer swimmeth, he says. Pushes things to the side and he brings forth wrath and judgment. Doesn't matter what kingdom you are, God will pour out his wrath if there's no repentance. I don't know how many billions watched the coronation yesterday. I watched it. I don't know how many billions were there and watched it. But I was just hoping that even the Archbishop of Canterbury or even Charles himself, hope against hope, I knew that. But I was just hoping that it was wishful thinking in many ways that one of them would turn around and say that Jesus Christ is Lord and except you all repent, you shall all likewise perish. Billions are watching it. Not a word of it. Not a word of it. Take note in this, brothers and sisters. Daniel 4, he's released from it. Daniel 5, it jumps probably two generations. And it's Belshazzar's feast. Look with me at Daniel 5 if you want one, please. Verse 1, Belshazzar the king made a great feast to a thousand of his lords and drank wine before the thousands. Belshazzar wines, he tasted the wine, commanded to bring the gold and silver vessels. Notice which his father. Now father there can mean grandfather, so it's probably his grandfather. Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple. So Nebuchadnezzar has died. And this is possibly his son's son, rather than his son. And taken out of the temple, which was in Jerusalem, at the, at the king and his princes, his wives, his concubines might drink therein. And they brought the golden vessels and were taken out of the temple, out of the house of God, which was at Jerusalem. And the king and his princes, his wives, and his concubines drank in them. And they drank wine and praised the gods. Notice, They praise the gods of gold and of silver and of brass and of iron. Does it sound familiar? The gods of all of these, these Babylonian mystery religion gods, they're praising them with that which was sanctified 
in the naos, that is the, the holy place of God, in the temple, now brought into Babylon. Notice, and of brass and of iron and of wood and of stone. Now take note of this. In the same hour came forth the fingers of a man's hand and wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote and the king's countenance was changed and his thoughts troubled him so that the joints of his loins were loosed and his knees smote one against another. Now, brothers and sisters, I, I, I don't want to be um, crass here. and I don't, want to, I don't want this to sound wrong. But the king saw a hand appear and it rode on the plaster, right into the plaster of the wall. And when the king saw it, this big Belshazzar, this great king with all of these princes around him, probably 120 provinces, all coming to feast round me, all coming to hear me, all coming to see me. But when the hand of God came and rode upon the wall, he knew he was in trouble. He knew it in the same hour. He knew he was in trouble. You know what happened? It says his, his joints loose. He couldn't stop himself going to the toilet. Put it like that. His knees were knocking. His vials let go. See, it's all right. It's all right you saying I don't believe in God. It's all right you saying I don't need God. It's all right saying that, that preacher's crazy. See all this sort of stuff, all these old dreams and that antiquated book and all this sort of stuff. They're all nuts and crazy up in that Christ Encounters Tabernacle, especially the man at the front. Him too. Don't forget him. Pastor Glenn, not just me. It's okay saying that. The bravado and acting the man and going to bed at night saying, I don't need it, but in your night watches, you know he's real. The same night, and his loins smote, his knees were knocking together, his innards near dropped through him. The fear of God laid hold on this man. Even the prophet Daniel said, when he seen the glorious vision of the man, he says, I retain no strength in me, for my comeliness was turned in me into corruption. You know what he said? He said, I near passed out. All my good, everything, the man, Daniel, who was beloved of God, the man, Daniel, who uh, prayed towards Jerusalem three times a day, who withstood all of those evil things and went to the lion's den when he seen that vision of the Lord, he says, I nearly died. I nearly died in his presence. John says, that he was in the Isle of Patmos for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. And I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and he sees the risen glorified Christ. He says, and I fell at his feet as dead. I fell at his feet as dead, he said. I couldn't even stand in his presence. Friend, I can tell you, it's all right, the bravado, but one day, one day, we'll stand before God. See the bravado out there? See all the bravado and all in the faces of the preachers in the street and the bravado in there, you know, all, all the banners they hold on, 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 on some of these LGBT periods, you know, and they hold up. One of them was, 
was saying Jesus was gay and all of this sort of, see all of that, see all that bravado. But see in the night watches, see in the night watches, Muslims start to think. But they'll stand before God. And if you think sometimes you're afraid in this life, wait till you see him in the next. John says, in Revelation chapter 20, I don't want to get too far off the subject here. He says, and I saw a great white throne. And him who sat on it from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away. Notice, he says, I saw a great white throne, the throne of judgment of Christ. And he says, and him who sat on it from whose face, not even from his word, he hasn't spoken yet to them. They just look upon his countenance. They just look upon his face. Do you know the face that was marred more than any man? The face was battered and beaten and bruised. The face that they smote with reeds and with the palms of their hands. Well, that face, the glory of it, says there was the earth and the heavens or everyone fled from him and there was found no place. In the dreams of Daniel, you know what it says? It says there was found no place for them. Pastor, how are you going to stand before Christ? I'll tell you how I'm going to stand before Christ. I'm going to stand before Christ because I'm washed in the blood. I'm going to stand before Christ. I'll be able because of him, not of me. I have his clothes of righteousness on me. There's no judgment for me. But where would you be? Notice here, in the same night. It reminds me of Luke 12 and 20. You know the man, he has barns and a great harvest. He fills his barns and he, st- he steps back and he looks at it. He says, his barns were full and he says, I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up. <laughs> you know, thou hast much goods laid up for many a year. You know, take thine ease, eat, drink and be merry. You sound like Belshazzar, doesn't he? Eat, drink and be merry. He says, but God said. Would you say, but God said? Would you shout it out? But God said. But God said, thy fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. I trust there's no fools tonight. Listening to this word in this place, in this this tent here tonight, this tabernacle, I trust there's no fools that will say, I've loads of time and I don't need Christ because he could say this evening, time's up. Say it with respect because we have the medical profession in here as well with doctors and we have with our nurse in her uniform going to work, bless you. After this, Gail, God bless you. Imagine she's here and then she'll do a whole night shift afterwards. God bless you. But they'll tell you when your time's up, your time's up, no matter what they try. So when Daniel sees the kingdom, Daniel sees a bear, which is the Medo-Persians, and it's lopsided because it's King Cyrus that we read about. God moved in this heathen king's heart. So Daniel, Belshazzar, is part of the gold kingdom. And then it says, there's plasters written on the wall. And it says, that night came forth the fingers of a man's hand. Run down here, if you will, just down the chapter quickly because time's flying. And let your eye go right down to verse 22. He didn't know what it said, but he knew the presence was enough. 
He didn't know what it said, but the presence was enough. Verse 22. And thou, his son, O Belshazzar, hast not humbled thine heart, though thou knewest all this. I take note. But thou hast lifted thyself against the Lord of heaven. That's the heart of men. Thou hast lifted thyself against the Lord of heaven, and they have brought the vessels of his house before thee, and thou and thy lords and thy wives and thy concubines have drunk wine in them, and thou hast praised the gods of silver and of gold and of brass and of iron and of wood and of stone. And the God in whose hand thy breath is, notice, the God in whose hand thy breath is, and whose are all thy ways, hast thou not glorified. He's saying you've You've trusted, you've worshipped, you've done, you've feasted on everyone and in everything but the Lord who holds your breath in his hands. Boy, listen to what it says. Then was the part of the hand sent from him and the writing was written. And this is the writing that is written. Meaning, meaning, take care of you, This is the interpretation of the thing, meaning God hath numbered thy kingdom and finished it. Tekel, thou art weighed in the balances and art found wanting. Perez, thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then commanded Belshazzar and they clothed Daniel with scarlet and and put a chain of gold about his neck and made made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. Now take note. And that night was Belshazzar, the king of the Chaldeans, slain. And Darius, the Median, took the kingdom, being about three score two years old. So we went from the gold kingdom with Belshazzar. That night, God says, time's up. Handwriting. That's where you get the writings on the wall from. The handwriting's on the wall. God says, time's up. Time's up. Now take note of this. The silver kingdom comes. Darius comes. This is the bearer of the lopsided. Because later God moves on Cyrus, the king, the Persian king. He's the Median king. And the Persian king and the Median king come to conquer the Babylonian king. And that's why it's lopsided because one kingdom becomes stronger than the other after Darius comes uh, Cyrus. Now stay with me. The third kingdom. By the way, uh, the, the bear with the three ribs in its mouth. Those three ribs are three kingdoms of Lydia. Egypt and Babylon. That's why there's three ribs in its mouth. It's like it's tore the ribs out of something. It's, it's killed them. That's what it stands for. The next kingdom, Daniel 7 and verse 6, a leopard, which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl. Four wings of a fowl. And the beast also had four heads, and dominion was given to it. Notice this. The leopard gives the idea of strength and speed. And this coincides with the bronze kingdom, which is Alexander the Great and the Grecian Empire. The leopard speaks of swiftness and of strength. And Alexander the the Great, his conquest was from the Indus River to the Adriatic Sea. In other words, he went almost out past uh, Pakistan into India, and do you know how long it took him to conquer all that area? Ten years just. He was dead at 32. So it was quick work. It was a quick happening. And it was a quick conquest. So 
Uh, now, uh, Alexander the Great was only 32. Now, here's what I want to show you because time's flying. There were four heads on this leopard and there were four wings. I've, say, I've heard people, I've watched them all on Christian TV programs, and I've heard people saying, oh, this is America, and these four heads are this, that, and the other. No, it's not. The Bible will interpret the Bible. And history will unfold itself to show what it is. The four heads were four generals that were in Alexander the Great's army. And when Alexander the Great died at the young age of 32, the four generals took over. You can write them down, listen to it later, go check this out. And the four generals were Lysimachus, Cassander, Seleucus, and Ptolemy. And they had four kingdoms. So there's four heads and there were four wings. They were the four kingdoms. So we had the Seleucid kingdom, the Ptolemaic kingdom, we had Lysimachus kingdom, and we had the Cassandra kingdom. Now take note of this. In verse 7 of Daniel 7, the fourth beast, Let's look at this. The beast had iron teeth. Daniel 7 and verse 7. And after this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, strong and exceedingly, that had great iron teeth. Now notice this. It devoured and break in pieces. So what it's doing is it's starting to walk the feet of it. Notice, watch, and stamp the residue with the feet of it. And it was diverse or different than all the beasts. That were before it, it had ten horns. Notice this one has iron teeth. It's the iron kingdom. It's the pagan Roman Empire. And it trampled down right out to Hadrian's wall. Right out to Hadrian's wall. And hence we have this strong kingdom. But the Lord sees it as this beastly kingdom. Take note of this. It says, And I considered the horns... And beheld there came up among them another little horn before whom all there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in the horn were the eyes, like the eyes of a man, a mouth speaking great things. Brothers and sisters, this brings us right up to this present day looking for the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice verse 9. And I beheld till the thrones were cast down and the ancient of days did sit whose garment was white as snow. And the hair of his head was like pure wool and, and his throne was like a fiery flame and his wheels as burning fire. And a fiery stream issued and came forth <clears throat> from before him. Thousands of thousands ministered unto him and 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The judgment was set and the books were opened. Revelation 20. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were open. That's what it says in Revelation chapter 20. Here in Daniel, when you're reading the book of Daniel, and you have the book of Revelation, they're like two bookends. Daniel is told at the end of his book, seal up the vision, for it is yet for an appointed time. John in the Isle of Patmos is told, open up the revelation, because it will happen from here on, or it's, for a, it's to happen shortly, from his time. It starts happening. Notice this. Here we have the judgment seat. And I beheld, I beheld then because of the voice of the great words which, which the horn spake, I beheld even till the beast was slain and his body was destroyed and given to the burning flame. That's Revelation 20 and verse 10. Anybody wants to look that up. 
As concerning the rest of the beasts, they had their dominion taken away. Notice, praise God, they're going to have their dominion taken away. The WEF, the WHO, the United Nations, the European Union, all of these one-worlders, all of these elitists, all of these banking systems, all of these who want to enslave us and to entrap us under this Babylonian system that's in our world and pervades around the world today, it says they're going to have their kingdom taken away. Notice this. Yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. Now notice, and I saw in the night visions, behold, one like the Son of Man came in the clouds of heaven and came... And came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before them, and there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. Brothers and sisters, when we see this, this is the second coming of Christ. Remember in the parables, the only says, the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey. Isn't that the way he starts? That's him being crucified. He goes to the grave. He's risen on the third day. He ascends into heaven. He's glorified. He's our great high priest in the heavens who's praying for us. And he's coming again to set up in, its full, in his fullness the whole kingdom of God on the earth. And this is what it's saying. Even 2,600 or so years ago, we're being told to watch for it, to look out for it. The things which are happening today. Let me just bring you to these feet. Will you go with me to Daniel chapter 2 again? We're going between these two dreams. There are others there, but these are the two main dreams. Let your eye run down to verse 44. And in the days of these kings, that's the, the gold down to the iron. In the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. That's what Daniel seen in Daniel 7. And the kingdom shall be not left to another people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms. It shall stand forever. For as much as thou sawest, a stone was cut out of the mountain without hands. I take note of this. This isn't a man-made kingdom. Do you know in Nebuchadnezzar's day, Babylon, they found uh, yellow bricks, they're like a golden color, and they actually built his palace out of these bricks and on every brick was the name of Nebuchadnezzar. He wanted his name everywhere. Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, you know, this is my kingdom. This is mine and I rule all these nations and provinces. I do this. Just like the devil himself, I will ascend to be like the most high. I will go above the clouds and, and, and he gives five I wills the devil. I will do, I will do. I'm all right. I don't need. That's what people are like. Notice what it says here. For as much as thou sawest, a stone was cut out of the mountain without hands. In other words, it's not man-made like a brick. Not like Nebuchadnezzar's brick. This is without hands. It is something that's been created. This is what uh, Abraham was looking for, who's a city whose builder and maker is God. Notice, on a break in pieces, the iron, notice, and the brass, and the clay, and the silver, and the gold. So this kingdom is like a great stone that smashes it. And a great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter. And the dream is certain, 
and the interpretation is sure. In other words, he's saying, you can believe it. Do you believe it? Do you believe that Jesus is coming again? So he sees it. How do I put that forward? Over there. See, if you lay that man down, you can see there, if you lay that man down, you'll see the head of gold over where Medo-Persia is. And then when you go over towards Greece, look, it nearly lies across Greece where the gold is or the bronze, sorry, is. You see that? And then the iron legs are across Italy. You see that? The Roman Empire. But look where the feet are. The feet would actually extend into just past Italy and round into Europe. I want you to notice something here. Do you see the ten toes? You want me to tell you? They were ten Gothic kingdoms in history. All around, they were conquered by Rome and they rose up. And they are the Goths, the Ostrogoths, the Visigoths, the Franks, the Vandals, the Sueve, the Alans, the Herule, the Burgundians, and the Lombards. All these Gothic tribes. And in 410 AD, they all rose up and started war. Uh, I think it was maybe especially the Lombards against Rome, the city of Rome. And Caesar pulled all uh, uh, all, of, all of the troops out of England at the time, right up the Hadrian's Wall. They needed all the troops home. They left en masse, as it were, back to Rome. But these ten Gothic tribes conquered 66 years later, and they sacked the city of Rome. A deadly wound had happened to the pagan Roman Empire. That brings us to where? Daniel 7. Daniel 7. I'm going to round this up and we'll not tax your brains anymore. Daniel 7, please. And let your eyes run down again to verse 8. And I considered the horns. Behold, there came up among them another little horn before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in his horn were eyes like the eyes of a man and the mouth speaking great things. Notice, and this is while Christ is up the, to see the ancient of days, to meet with his father, to receive of the kingdom. Now the kingdom has been through this, through the Hebraic Israelitish kingdoms, our kingdom, uh, and you know, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Israel, and so forth into Christ and the kingdom of Christ. Take notice of this, brothers and sisters. When the, the pagan Rome died, out of it came papal Rome. The papacy came out of it. It revived in another form. Constantine says he's a Christian, sees a cross in the sky, as it were, in this sign, conqueror, he said it said. He said it said. I'm just leaving there. I didn't say he said it was real, but he said that. And his, his mother, Helena, by the way, I was trying to remember the name earlier on, I was talking to some of the men. His mother, Helena, went over to the Holy Lands and sure didn't, didn't they take her and say, here, there's a, there's a piece of the cross of Jesus. This is three, four hundred years later. And they just happened to find a piece of the cross of Jesus laying there. Come on, think about this. Do you know where that piece of cross is now? It was the first cross in the coronation yesterday. It was put into it and given by the Pope. That's where the cross is now. Parts of it. You can check me out on it. That led them in. 
Constantine says he's a Christian. And the, the pagans that were still in Rome, they, they started to kick up, as it were. So he started to amalgamate things. And hence, the true church that you read of the book of Romans started to take on paganism. In 800 AD, Christmas Day, 25th of December, 800 AD, Pope Leo III crowned Charlemagne, the king of the Franks, Eurati, the holy Roman emperor, the man who steps forth to take conquest for Rome. He can rule whatever way he wants, but we are, he says, they say, we are the power behind, the authority behind. And he went forth to conquer all the kingdoms, to turn them to Catholic kingdoms. Stay with me on this. Stay with me. Listen to what the Catholic Herald says. And this is the Catholic Herald. I didn't write this. The 13th of May, 2016. You ready? The Catholic Herald, 13th of May, 2016. In one way, the Catholic Church is the successor of the Roman Empire. That's their words, not mine. In one way, the Catholic Church is the successor of the Roman Empire. Listen to it again, the Catholic Herald. Same date. It is a bit of a cliche to see the church as a successor to the Roman Empire. But cliches contain more than a grain of truth sometimes. That was their words on it. Listen, I've done this before briefly. These, these kingdoms are where the nations of Europe are today. This one world is it? This is the theme of Babylon going right through the people. The name Europe comes from a Phoenician, a young Phoenician uh, mythical goddess, if you want. I can put it that way. A princess. And it's said that Zeus, the god of the Greeks, the head god of the Greeks, so-called, he comes in the form of a bull, this beast. And he gets this young woman. Her name is called Europa. Puts her on his back and takes her for this little joyride. Goes to Crete. And then, of course, over into Europe. And there he rapes her. He rapes her. He turns back to Zeus, the, be- the, the god who is this beast, and he rapes Europa, and it's known as the rape of Europa. You go anywhere in Europe and you'll see these beasts, and the woman riding the beast with the stars in her hand. This is the rape of Europa. You'll see it outside as the great bull over in Wall Street and different places. This is, this is representing the god Zeus of the Greeks, the pagan gods. You look at the two-year-old coin and there's a woman riding the beast. Check it out, two euro coins. And there she is on the base holding on with like a crown of stars. Where do you see this? Revelation 12, they take it from the woman in the wilderness, they say. And she has a crown of stars around her head. They say she's Mary. She's not the woman there, by the way, is Israel. But that's another story. I take note if I close this. The name Europa it, it, it comes from the Latin word uris, which means wide or up for I, your upper. It gives the idea, you ready, 
of the broad face off. So you look at Europe, it's the broad face of Europe, the broad face of the earth. This is what the idea of it is. It gives the idea of a cow with two big, wide, broad face eyes, a bull, a beast. That's where the name Europe comes from. Hence, you know why I am against us being in Europe. Let me finish with Revelation 13. There's so much. We're only touching, scratching the surface of this. Revelation 13. Remember the bronze and all of that? Do I have any more pictures there? Oh, do There's the four kingdoms of, of the Grecian Empire. That's it there. There's the stone kingdom hitting the, the image on its feet. And they're all... Oh, that's it. Okay. Go with me to Revelation 13. Now, take note. Verse 1. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea. Now, we hear about there's no more sea in heaven. That doesn't mean to say the seaside. You'll not have any seaside. It means, it means uh, turbulence of people. Stay with me. Remember Daniel in his dream seeing the beasts coming out of the sea? Coming out of the sea. Now watch. And the beast, uh, uh, the sea having seven heads, ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard. Sound familiar? And his feet were as the feet of a bear. Sound familiar? And his mouth as the mouth of a lion. There's the beast. These three animals are making up this beast at the end. Notice they're all conglomerate. They're all together. They're all joined together. And Daniel says, I can't make this beast out. It's just terrible looking. It's ferocious. It's a terrible beast. And look what it says. And the dragon... Give him his power and his seat and his authority. Who's the dragon? Turn over to the chapter, the chapter 12. And this is the woman I was telling you about. You can read it when you go home. This is Israel, by the way, not Mary or the woman of Europe. Let your eye run down in verse 3. And there appeared another wonder in heaven. And behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns. And the seven crowns upon her heads, and his tail drew a third part of the stars of heaven, and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, that is Israel, on her migration, uh, uh, which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. Listen, I want to ask you, did the church give birth to Christ, or did Christ give birth to the church? Christ gave birth to the church, didn't he? It was Israel gave birth to Christ. Isn't that right? So this is Israel, this is not the church. Let me go on. And the woman fled into the wilderness. Pardon me, verse 6. The woman fled into the wilderness, and there was, where she hath a place prepared of God that she'd feed her there a thousand two hundred and three score days. And that's another thing I could show you another time. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought against his angels and prevailed not. Neither was her place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out under the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. My brothers and sisters, we're going to stop here because time is gone. But let me tell you, let me tell you this. John sees the beast all conglomerate. That's what's happened to this beast. Financial, governmental, 
religious beast. It all comes together. And sure, you can't make head or tail of it anymore. It's the spirit of Antichrist, this vagabond, wandering vagabond. It's this, this one that wanders about. It, it comes to try and swallow up your children through media and social media. It comes to try to take away your joy and your peace. It comes to try and to, to rule you and to govern you, to dominate you comes into governments, comes into uh, the, the, the Jewish banking systems of, of, those, of, of those Rothschilds and so on. And it's just there all the time. And if you were to look at it and say, I don't understand this beast. You can understand that there's one system and I see Rome, I see uh, Islam and I, I see uh, apostate Protestantism and I see all of this, that and the other. And we can go into all of those. But when they're all together, now describe it. People say to me, what do you think of this? And sometimes I know what I know, but I can't describe it. I don't really know. And this is what's happening in our world today. But the Bible tells us in Daniel 2, the Bible tells us in Daniel 7, and when you go home and read Revelation 19, there's one coming on a white horse, as it were, and he's coming with the armies of heaven. It's the great stone cut out without hands, And he's going to smash the whole system that's holding his people captive. 